1: You don't want it, you don't need it, but you're gonna get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here, I'm here today. Uh, just a reminder, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, do so. doesn't cost you a thing. If you can rate us and review us uh, wherever you have that ability, specifically on Apple and Spotify, it's a big help if you rate us five stars and write a short one-to-two-sentence review. Okay, Tommy, uh, your boy, our boy, I, I don't want to say your boy, our boy, who's oh, wait really... Wait a minute,
2: what? wait a minute, before, before we get started, yeah. uh, okay, that's it, we're done.
1: What does that mean?
2: Okay, well, uh, you said you wanted to, you wanted to make it quick.
1: Oh, I did, I did say before the show today, let's make it yeah. quick. I did, I... don't. I, so? I am. Quick. I, you
2: know. I, I mean, don't put it. Don't put handcuffs on me before we even start well, the show.
1: Well, we've done that before, where we've both said to each other, or you've said to me sometimes, "Hey, can we make it quicker today?" And you know what? Typically happens. It ends up being our longest show know, of the week. That's what usually happens. Um, <laughs> all right. So I was gonna say I, I don't want. I, I think the our boy, your boy, or this Taylor Heineke thing's gotten a little bit out of control. And I, I, I really, I talked a lot about it on radio today because. I got a note from a dude that I actually kind of know. And he said, you gave Taylor Heineke a D on Sunday. You were way off base. It was the offensive line all day long. He had no chance. There was no room for Gibson to run. He dropped back. He had no time. All but maybe four to five quarterbacks would have had the day that Heineke had on Sunday. I usually agree with most of your Monday recaps of the game, but you were just wrong about Taylor Heineke. And, you know, I I said – I'll I'll tell you, I actually didn't give Taylor Heineke a D on the game. I gave him a D minus, okay? And (laughs) after watching some of the game back, I'm not changing my grade. He was terrible on Sunday, as was the entire offense. I gave the entire offense an F for the game Um, because the offensive line wasn't very good. Antonio Gibson wasn't very good. No one was really that good. Um, Anybody that wants to blame Scott Turner, I would urge you to go watch the All-22. There were people open in this game on a lot of different plays. Um, But beyond that, I, I, I just, after reading this, I just said, like, I'm kind of, Well, I shouldn't say I'm sick of it because it generates interest and people get worked worked up, and you know there's no better topic than the topic that is somewhat polarizing and and gets everybody emotional. But on some level, it's like...
2: Especially the Washington quarterback. Let's face it, one of our greatest debates was Rex Grossman and John Beck. (laughs) Yes. Two of the most (laughs) irrelevant quarterbacks in the history of the franchise. (laughs)
1: So true. God, we were at each other's throats. Oh my God. God. Um, but, uh, and I was right about that. Um, but, um, I, uh, I I just don't think that this weekly referendum makes any sense, like needing to have, you know, uh, a definitive, uh, answer. Uh, the truth is he's he was really good at times during that four-game stretch. He was really bad on Sunday. He should play on Sunday this coming week. He shouldn't get benched as long as he's healthy. I think he should just play the rest of the games. I don't think Kyle, Kyle Allen's going to be that much of an upgrade more likely than not. But, you know, as far as what the future goes, we can have that conversation at the end of the year, but I think if anybody's objective, you would say there's a lot of things you like about him, there's a lot of limitations, and more likely than not, he's not Tony Romo or Kurt Warner. You know, he's not a you know, a true elite quarterback in this league if you're being objective. It doesn't mean you can't win some games with him. It doesn't mean that he doesn't do certain things that are at a really fun um and 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 and, and you know, relatively high level, but it's just amazing to me that the people that are so invested in him watch that game Sunday and somehow thought that it was everybody else's fault and that he didn't contribute to any of it. He was terrible in the game. He, he really was. And, but he was really good uh, you know, in the Carolina game, in the Tampa game, and in the Seattle game. He was okay against the Raiders, not great. Uh, I mean, that's just... You can't, you can't give him credit, which he
2: deserved for the most part, for most of their victories, and not absolve him of blame when they lose like they did on Sunday. You can't do that. That's ridiculous. I mean, he, you know, I mean, the quarterback is supposed to overcome. There may be difficult circumstances to overcome, but the really elite quarterbacks find a way, for the most part, to overcome. He was terrible on Sunday.
1: What grade Absolutely. What, what grade would you have given him, or did you give him a grade? I give him a D. Yeah.
2: I give him a D. He was terrible. But here's the thing. I mean, and, I mean, I'm not – you know, when I graduated from dismissing him to embracing him
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, I remember. it the that embrace was a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> he, he could be the guy, not he is the guy. Right. The embrace was he could be the guy. That's true. Not this yeah. is the guy.
1: But there are people and, you and do so know that you can, think he is the guy.
2: Oh, I know. And there's no reason why you can't think he's the guy – and still open yourself to the possibility that if you have a chance to upgrade, you should do that.
1: Aim higher. If, we're, if, if as far as the conversation about the future, you got to aim higher, people. Okay. Now, in the present, based on what you have, he's he's done a hell of a job. He's got limitations, but he's done a hell of a job. He does certain things at a high level. But you've got to aim higher long-term. This is not a guy that you're going to start 17 games a year for the next five years and win 12 games a year and, and be a Super Bowl contender. That should be the goal. But right now, compared to what they have, and by the way, compared to several other guys that are playing and starting around the league, he gives you a chance. You know, he...
2: You know. You think about what you said, aim high. Uh, this football team, really, I mean, except for Sonny, Sammy Baugh, Theisman, Doug Williams briefly, has never achieved high. Rippin' for one year.
1: You mean at the quarterback position?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's like a. a, a, a that's a concept that doesn't exist for this franchise.
1: Well, I mean.
2: High level quarterback play.
1: I mean, you would spend. Over I, the I course you, of you'd many spend years. 20 minutes on Sammy Baugh.
2: Well, I mentioned Baugh. Yeah. I mentioned Sonny.
1: You're right. But most, most franchises haven't had, you know, f- four Hall of Fame quarterbacks, three Hall of Fame. Washington's got two Hall of Fame quarterbacks.
2: That's true. That's true.
1: I mean how many franchises seriously I'm I'm just I I
2: I I have to do the research Yeah
1: I mean I mean in terms of the Patriots they'll only have one I mean he's not in it yet but that's the only one they'll have the Bills only have one the Dolphins have two the Jets have one the Ravens don't have any the Browns yeah. the Browns have tell me who their Hall of Fame quarterbacks are autogram
2: Right I think that's
1: it. Is Bernie Kosar a Hall of Famer? I don't think no, he's not a Hall of Famer. I don't think so. No. Cincinnati, Ken Anderson.
2: No, not a Hall of Famer. Maybe should be, but isn't.
1: Pittsburgh, Bradshaw, and, um, and Bobby and, and, Lane. Okay, and and, and Roethlisberger, and Roethlisberger will be. Yes. You know the Colts have had obviously Unitas and Peyton, two different cities. Right. Um, Jacksonville doesn't. Have, you know, Kansas City. Len Dawson's a Hall of Famer, right? Yes, he is. And Patrick Mahomes will be a Hall of Famer.
2: Probably. I mean, you okay. Know, you, you made your point. It's, yeah. It's not, I mean, it's, it's not that unusual, but uh, it just seems my. It just seems that uh, Packer, Packers. Packers have high. To, right? It's yeah, they do. Uh, Bart Starr,
1: Favre uh, and Rodgers to be Favre and
2: Aaron. Yeah. Right. Yeah um it just seems like like an unachievable goal for this franchise so you know i i understand the idea of uh well let's go let's go after what we can seem to get and uh that will only make him better if we surround people around him i yeah. mean he did not have a great amount of of support on Sunday.
1: No, he didn't. But there were people open. I mean, going back and watching... He shouldn't
2: absolve him from from blame, but he did not have a lot of support.
1: And he didn't have a good game. Um, Somebody said to me this morning, you know, okay, but wouldn't you say he's the best we've had since Kirk left? And I thought about it. And you know what? I think some of the games he's played this year, it'd be hard to find... Games quarterbacked by Alex Smith, Dwayne Haskins, um, Colt McCoy. I'm talking about since uh, you know starting in 2018. Alex had Alex had some good games. Alex had some good games. To be fair,
2: yes, he did. Yeah, he did.
1: But I mean, I get the point. The point is, he's given them a chance to win, and I think over these final four games, he'll probably give them a chance to win a couple of their remaining games.
2: Right. Look, it's just like. And this is something that I'm very familiar with right now because I'm going through this process. You got a car. It's a good car, okay. It gets you where you want to go. You like driving it and stuff like that. It it functions the way you want it to. But somebody gives you a chance to have a better one. What do you do?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Do you want do you want companionship or do you want a championship? (laughs) That's some (laughs) caller called in and said. We're focused on companionship with Taylor Heineke. I'm looking for a championship. Um,
2: So I don't think it's – I don't think the two things are mutually exclusive. You can think that Taylor Heineke uh, can be the guy and you can open the door to getting better.
1: Well, if you think he's the guy because you obviously aren't going to do better – Okay, but if you say he's the guy because you can't do better, well, that's not being objective. I mean, you're you're hopelessly devoted, and you're not coming off of it, um, which is fine. I mean, the dude is a baller. He's a gamer. He's athletic. He... He makes plays. He's also got limitations, and we saw a lot of those on Sunday. We saw a lot of those against Buffalo. We saw a lot of those against New Orleans. We saw a lot of those against Denver. We saw a lot of those, you know, at times, quite honestly, against the Raiders, even though they won the game. Here's the bottom line. He's one of those quarterbacks that if you're going to start him for 17 games, you better have a really good running game. You better have a really good supporting cast. And then, and and even then, you're talking about, you know, a team, unless it's somehow dominant in some of those other areas, that is going to be a borderline, you know, game over, game under 500 kind of a team. And that's where this team has been. Look, he's going to end up starting 16 and a half of the 17 games, or playing in. You know, starting 16 and playing in a half of of another game. And right now they're trending towards right around 500. And I know this supporting cast has been hit and miss because of injuries and everything else. Um, And I know a lot of people want to blame Scott Turner. I think after watching more of the game from Sunday on the All-22, I just wouldn't blame Scott Turner for a lot of anything. I'm going to get to something that I absolutely wish that Scott Turner would do more of. Um, here in a moment, but uh, he's doing he's doing the the best he can. And when they when they've been running the football and staying in good down and distance and keeping the score within reach, either up one or down one score, he's made a lot of plays this year, and he has been significantly influential in the outcome. But when they've been asked, yes. when he's been asked to put it on his shoulders because they fall behind, they can't run the ball. Um, the other teams just wreaking havoc defensively, that's not what he's going to do well. And I don't think, you know, uh, more of a sample size and more experience is going to make him a lot better than that. He's got some some physical, you know, arm limitations and other things, accuracy limitations, et cetera, but whatever. You know what I want? I want you to tell me because we started on Heineke. I just want you to tell me what you thought of the game Sunday.
2: Okay, I thought it was a beatdown, uh, an ap- an absolute beatdown. Like I, 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 uh, I just thought that uh, that it was not as close as it appeared, as, as the final score appeared to be. I never felt that Washington, even when they had closed the gap, was actually going to win the game. So,
1: from me, um and you know, yeah, I, and like ahead.
2: I tweeted during during the game. I tweeted, Micah Parsons had what we would call an imaginary Chase
1: Young kind of game. <laughs> I know. My son said, look at what Tom tweeted. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, that's you the kind of game that, that, that we
2: thought Chase Chase Young was going to have.
1: Well, he did have some of those games last year.
2: Not this year.
1: No, he did not have any of them this year. But he had that game yeah. in San Francisco last year. Um, yes. But anyway... Um, Another, uh, another note that I got from somebody, I think this was a tweet uh, from Brad. You were too hard on Rivera saying it was a tale of two halves. They outscored Dallas 20-3 to in the second half. By definition, 24 uh, nothing and 20-3 is a tale of two halves. Look, this was not as Tommy just said, and I agree with Tommy this was not a tale of two halves game okay a tale of two halves means you got dominated in the first half and then you went out and dominated them in the second half Washington didn't dominate Dallas in the second half the score was 27 to eight with six minutes to go in the game but did the teams had reserves in there Dallas was playing it as as if almost it was like a preseason game they were they were working on things Rivera did kind of I think do a good job in his presser yesterday of I think think clarifying what he meant by a tale of two halves. He said they really were flat and lacked energy in the first half, and then they really were energized in the second half. Well, that's something that they're going to feel on the on the field. But there, there isn't anything that says that Washington came out, you know, and created a completely different feel to the second half than the first half. That's just not true. They got their ass kicked no. in this game, okay? You know, yes, that the, now... DeAndre Carter, if he catches that ball from Kyle Allen, you know it's one of those crazy Cowboy Washington games that, when you least expect it. I mean, but Prescott had to throw one of the worst balls and make one of the worst decisions to even make that possible. Um, but um, I, I, there were a couple of things uh, about the, the game that I went back and, and I just made a couple of notes on. Num- number one is this. Those that have said about Scott Turner, he's got to figure out a way to leverage Taylor Heineke's greatest strength, which is really his legs more than it is his right arm. And I agree with that. I, I like Scott Turner. I think you know going back to last year, I was I was praising Scott Turner when a lot of you thought, oh well, he's proved he's not an offensive coordinator. And I didn't feel that way. And I think um, that, that that his performance this year as a coordinator and play caller has been pretty good. I think Scott Turner's proving that you know even with all the injuries, like he's scheming people open. You go back and watch the all twenty two of this game. There are people open in this game. You know, and yeah, the pressure uh, got to to Heineke and the pass pro didn't hold up, but there were lots of times when the other uh, uh, email that I read from Mark said uh, there weren't four to five quarterbacks that would have had a, you know, there are only four to five quarterbacks in the game that um, would have had um, a better day. I don't believe that. I, I think that there were a lot of opportunities for different decisions that would have led to better result plays, but... I do agree with those people who say why doesn't he run more? I think we need I think they need to do a lot of the stuff that the Eagles do with Jalen Hurts and we're going to see that Sunday. I think his greatest greatest strength is his athleticism. He's a terrific athlete. He's fast. He can slide. He's got great vision. I don't know why we don't run more read option. I know there have been some read option plays where he hasn't kept it. Ron all but told me that a couple of weeks ago about the Seattle game, a couple of those plays where they got stopped in short yardage. He could have kept it. But just like, you know, for all of us in this fan base, because a lot of you watch this team, you know, much more than the rest of football. But going back to 2012, when you – present the quarterback as part of the running game, as a potential runner. It's 11 on 11, not 10 on 11. That's, that's what every coach will tell you. The, the 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 benefit to having your quarterback in a read option game or as a runner is you now have – the quarterback with the ball in his hands, and 10 blockers. It's 11-on-11 football. When a quarterback goes and hands the ball off to the running back, it's the runner and 9 blockers. It's 10-on-11 football. And, you know, Mike Shanahan was – I'll never forget what we were having a conversation. It was probably the 2013 season. And he said to me, he said, the biggest benefit of what we're doing here is it's 11-on-11. Most football is 10-on-11 when the quarterback hands the ball off in the running game, and I, I, I think with why we've seen this kind of style of football hold up and not become the fad that many people predicted by back in 2012 is because it's an advantage. It's a significant advantage for the offense to have ten people blocking and the quarterback running, playing playing eleven on eleven football. Heineke's greatest strength is his legs, his speed, his athleticism, his vision in the open field. I don't know why they don't do more of that. That would be the one thing that I think some of the Taylor Heineke, you know, sort of diehards have suggested that Turner isn't running him enough. I agree with that. I also think there should be more RPO in their offense because I think it's easier. Anything you can do to make it easier for him when he is dropping back. The great thing about presenting a quarterback as a run threat, it acts in their play-action game as an even better, uh, you know, uh, protection um, scheme because the linebackers are in conflict. You know, And all of a sudden, you've got bigger windows and receivers that are more wide open. We saw that in 2012 with RG3. You see it every Sunday in a lot of football. You see it with Russell Wilson. You see it with Ryan Tannehill. You see it with Jalen Hurts. You see it with all of these quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson. You see it with guys even like Baker Mayfield. You know, you're seeing it with, Jalen, uh, with uh, Justin Fields. I think that that's the kind of quarterback he should be. And they haven't so why really made him think that. that? I'm sorry?
2: Why don't they think that?
1: I don't know. I think that there they do have read option in in the, in the playbook. They do have some RPO. I don't think they do it enough. Maybe they would say, well, we had seven of the calls in the game and he didn't keep it once, and he should have. Rivera essentially told me in the Seattle game there were a couple of those short yardage plays that they got stopped on that he probably should have kept the ball because the, the read was the defensive end, and the, and the defensive end had crashed down, and yet he didn't keep it. I, you know, he's so good, too, at sort of avoiding contact in the open field. He's, a really, good, he's really good at sliding. He was a baseball player. Um, You know, I I think that that would be the one thing I wish were incorporated more. I think it would really help him, and I think it would add a new dimension to the offense.
2: Well, you think at some point they would have pulled him aside on Sunday uh, since he was under duress from that Dallas pass rush and say, hey, you need to back these guys off some. You need to take off with the ball. He
1: he did on one or two occasions, yeah.
2: You're right. We need to do it more. But Parsons I mean, isn't easy to, to, to outrun. No, you're right. <laughs> He's not.
1: Um, so. you know, I, like I was looking at something. I was looking at their opponent this Sunday. Philadelphia is the number one rush offense in the NFL. Jalen Hurts is their leading rusher. He's got 695 yards on 122 carries on the season. He's got eight touchdowns. He's got six runs of 20 or more yards. He's got 50, 50 runs for first downs. He's, look, Hertz is, you can say whatever you want about him as a dropback. I agree. That's not where he's comfortable. And it's not really where Taylor Heineke's comfortable either. Um, Taylor Heineke, by comparison, only has 55 rushes for 297 yards. He's only got two runs of 20 or more yards, and he's only rushed for 18 first downs. And I know that they've got Antonio Gibson, but, I mean, my God, the Eagles have Sanders and Scott and Jordan Howard. They've been running everybody. I just – that would be the one thing, like, if I had a chance to sit down and talk to Scott Turner – specifically why not more dual threat football doesn't have to be the whole game but why not more you know we're we're, we're lining him up in shotgun or pistol and we've got Gibson who's a downhill back and we're going to we're going to we're going to run him and we're going to keep them honest by the way it makes it easier for Gibson just like it made it so much easier for Alfred Morris in 2012 Just like it makes it so much easier for Philadelphia guys like Sanders and Scott and Howard right now. I mean, Philadelphia as a team with their their key backs and quarterback are averaging 5.2 yards per carry. They are a dynamic running team. Yeah. And by the way, just because we haven't mentioned it, John Allen, COVID-19. I did learn he's symptom-free. Um, he is vaccinated for anybody that was wondering you probably know that already i'm sure that's been reported i was i would assume that it has been he's got to produce two negatives back to back within a 24 hour period i'll tell you what without john allen sunday and i know he wasn't 100% th- uh, this past game or last game but that's going to be a problem sunday uh, you know especially yeah. if a lot of the other defensive players are out um so the 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 running Heineke more was one note I made, and the other one was this. Um, uh, well, actually, a couple of others. I thought Daron Payne and uh, Matt Ioannidis were pretty damn good in the game, and I didn't mention that. I mentioned some defensive players like Curl and Fuller, and even Jackson, even though he had that penalty, um, and Holcomb. But I thought Payne and um, and Ioannidis were were really good in the game. God, man, Payne. Payne's one of those guys. I bet you they pull their hair out over Deron Payne because there are some games where it looks like he should be one of the best three or four guys at the position in the NFL. He's such a freakish athletic guy at times. And then there are other games where he kind of gets handled. I don't know why that is. I mean, we saw the best in the game last night, Aaron Donald. I mean, my God, he dominated that game. Um, the, uh, the, other th- so the other thing was Antonio Gibson. I know that a lot of people are like, you can't play him. You cannot play him. He's got a fumbling problem. He's got more fumbles than any running back in the league, not quarterbacks, but of all the running backs, he's got more fumbles and more lost fumbles. He's got six and three lost, although a lot of the main um, statistical sites say that he's only got five fumbles total, but all of this stuff on TV said six, but whatever. He fumbles too much. We understand that. You can't win two to three games, which it's going to require down the stretch, without Antonio Gibson, in my opinion. He's just been way too significant to that four-game win streak in any game they've won this year. And it's the way they have to play. They've got to try to be physical and run and be balanced, and they couldn't do that Sunday. Dallas stopped the run on the way to the quarterback. But you got, anybody that thinks that it's time to give Patterson or, you know, if McKissick's back, give him those carries, no. You're going to have to put up with the possibility that he might cough one up. You're going for a playoff berth, and he is one of your best five players on the team, regardless of, of – despite the fumbling problem. All right? You have John Allen. You've got Terry McLaurin. You've got – Antonio Gibson, and if you want to throw, you know, one of the offensive linemen in there, take your choice. Leno, Leno, Sheriff, whatever. Um, I, who am I missing, and who am I leaving out? Uh, yeah, I mean that that's that's it right now. Like you can't, yeah, you have to have Gibson have a major impact in these games. The lack of of a Gibson running game Sunday, and give Dallas credit; they stopped the run on the way to the quarterback. Um, but because of that, that's, that's what really made the offense fall apart because Taylor's not a guy that you can just have sort of drop back on third and long or second and long. It's not really what he does well. But I, I – yeah. Gibson, by the way, and Heineke – in, in the situations this year where they've had some adversity off of big fumbles, like for Antonio, it would be the first half. We well had the big fumble against the Chargers. But the fumble that he had against the Panthers in the first half, he came back best second half uh, and best football of the year. 12 carries, 78 yards in the second half as they took control and won the game. You know, by the same token, Taylor Heineke, off of his worst game, which was probably the Buffalo game before Sunday, came back and had one of his most memorable games of the year, the game in Atlanta. So I think
2: he's, re- he's responded in times he's been challenged.
1: And here. so is Gibson. Yes. So you need, you can't, I don't think you can win without Gibson down the stretch here without him playing well. I mean, I think McKissick coming back is really important, and John Allen being available would be really important. Um, yeah, but And for those, by the way, the other uh, observation real quickly, I don't want to lose the thought, uh, Samuel was only in there for 14 snaps. I have no idea. But just so everybody knows, he didn't get touches, but he was open a couple of times. So there, there were shots taken. The shot to Terry McLaurin, the one that he got hurt on, Samuel's wide open wide open for a a chain-moving pitch-and-catch. Also, by the way, Logan Thomas did have that torn ACL. Did you see that story from earlier this morning?
2: Yes, I I did see that. I mean, look, the other thing is, I mean, for the most part, he didn't have McKissick and Logan Thomas when this team is right are two of the most important factors on offense.
1: Agreed. I agree. And
2: he really didn't have either. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And Ricky Seals Jones, who was back, dropped a ball. Actually, I think he dropped the ball from Allen, though. But um, yeah, and, and you know, somebody made the point. You know, that throw to Terry McLaurin, you're saying that Samuel was open, which he was. Uh, McLaurin should have caught it. Yeah, he kind of, kind of did. He, he took. He he concussed himself on the play on the way down. This is going to be big all week. I mean, who they have to practice, who they have available on Sunday. Philadelphia coming off the bye week, um, you know, and Philadelphia is, you know, they're in the same. They're a five-point favorite now. Okay, so those of you again that get caught up in this, well, they can beat Philadelphia or they should beat Philadelphia. They they can beat Philadelphia. They shouldn't. It's not a should-win game. None of these are for this team. But Philly's now a five-point favorite. And they're playing at home, Open. and it'll be a real home game for them, unlike Washington's, you know, yes, home game yes, on yes, Sunday. And, um, I mean,
2: they packed that place, and there are Eagle fans there.
1: Yep.
2: Yeah. Uh, this kind of ties into my column, uh, on, uh, you know, on Monday for Tuesday for today's paper, uh, where I kind of uh, had a little fun with Ron Rivera's whole David and Goliath story but the point being that the fairy tale, the fable part of the season is over. It is. Okay. Why? It is. Well, because right now they're playing teams that are either, that they're probably either as good as, except for the Cowboys when they play them uh, again. Three to four games they've got left are against teams that are at least good as or better. So there's no more underdog. there's no more David and Goliath. that's well, over.
1: the Panthers, Seahawks and Raiders really weren't better when they got to them
2: but, but we didn't know I mean but yeah, but the Seahawks, the perception was they were
1: actually they played and the Raiders, really, they played really well since losing to us. It's like Russell Wilson's right. and the Raiders,
2: hoping. yeah, I know, and the Raiders the perception was that they were okay now uh they you know they got their head coach fired. And all that. But, uh, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, us against the world stuff anymore. That's done. You you gotta beat who's in front of you now. Okay? The the teams you're playing are teams you can beat. Except for maybe the Cowboys on the rematch. And again, rematches in the NFC East are very unpredictable. You know? So, I mean, there's the, the, the idea that, you know, they're, that it's David throwing the stone and knocking Goliath out, that's over. They've done that. Now they've got to win. They've got to beat the town in front of them.
1: I'm just sitting here staring at the schedule. I think they can win any of the games they play, and I think they can lose any of the games they play, and that would include even the Giants. I mean, I just think that, um, boy, you said something, and it's so true. I mean, these division games – And, like, the rematch in Dallas. I mean, I think one of the big takeaways for me from Sunday, maybe I didn't emphasize it as much yesterday, is how unimpressive Dallas was on offense. I just didn't think they looked very good. They looked out of sync. No, they didn't. Prescott, I thought, was terrible in the game. I mean, I I didn't look this up. I think I mentioned this on, on the pod yesterday, but... Dak Prescott had a 9.9 QBR in the game. Taylor Heineke's was 4.9. And Kyle Allen, in far fewer snaps, had a 5.8 QBR. I can't imagine that in any game this year you've had a lower aggregate total of QBR numbers if three quarterbacks played. Or just take your two starters. I mean, I, I thought Dak Prescott looked terrible on Sunday. I thought he looked unsure of himself. I don't think he threw the ball well. I don't think he moved well. He definitely isn't himself physically still. You could see that. Yeah. He's, he started to run on one occasion, and he tripped and fell. Dallas is – there. I mean, it's funny. There you go. Like, here's an NFL season for you, right? Early in the season. Well, Dallas's defense sucks. Their offense is great. And they start off, and it's like, wow, they are really good offensively. Dak gets hurt, comes back, and you're like, uh, they might not even be that good as a team. And now you're like, wow, that defense, they got some playmakers on that defense offensively. And maybe three weeks from now, it'll be like, oh, well, that offense back in rhythm, and that defense is getting carved up. Who knows? I can tell you this, though. Their defensive talent, Gregory, Parsons, Lawrence, Vanderesh, Diggs is just a talent and a playmaker. Those players are, are absolutely the reason, along with some of the others, that they're second in the league in takeaways. You know, that is every year turnover margin and takeaways, massive numbers in the league. Dallas has 27 takeaways, second only to Indianapolis in the league. Their differential um, is fifth in the league uh, at plus nine because they've had a bunch of turnovers on offense. But 27 takeaways, you know, um, this season. And it's not by accident they have playmakers on defense, real playmakers.
2: Yeah. No, you're right. Absolute playmakers on defense. Uh, I was not at the game Sunday. I was going to be at the game, but unforeseen circumstances came up so I was not at the game. <laughs> I,
1: so hope I, I, I hope everybody's okay.
2: Everybody's fine. I didn't experience firsthand the crowd, uh, but I certainly got a taste of it on what was reported. Can we
1: talk about this after, uh, after we take a break? Because that was on my list of things to get to in the next segment.
2: Did You know what? <laughs>
1: That's you what we're going to do. do. That if you want. Well, yeah, that's okay. what we are going to do. Okay? So, oh, we will okay. continue with the crowd but Don't
2: ask me if you're going to do it. Just don't ask
1: me. with the cr- we'll continue with the crowd conversation right after these words from a few of our sponsors.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform
1: This segment of the podcast presented by my bookie Wilder versus Fury, Mayweather versus Pacquiao, Electric Personalities. That produced big fights and even bigger betting opportunities. Well, this Saturday it's Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley. It'll be no different. Don't miss out on the action. Bet the fight with my bookie. My bookie's got the best odds and prop bets for Paul Woodley too. And you can start by doubling your your initial deposit. All right, you sign up with my bookie. You use my promo code Kevin DC. They'll double your initial deposit all the way up to a thousand dollars if you use my promo code Kevin DC. What else do we have going on this week? bowl season starts Friday, and then you've got literally for about a three and a half week period, you've got games during the day, games at night, obviously, all of the NFL as well. Don't miss out. Double your first deposit up to $1,000 by using my promo code, Kevin DC. Head to MyBookie at MyBookie.com or MyBookie.ag today. Place your bets, fill your pockets, and watch this grudge match get settled with Paul versus Woodley, too. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Okay, so let's have the conversation about the crowd. Go ahead.
2: Well, coming through the TV and and the reports that I saw, this may have been the worst uh, imbalance in terms of – opposing fans uh, in se- of the season.
1: Oh, uh, oh yeah. I mean, I thought you were going to yeah, say ever.
2: I'm, no, no, no. I mean, you know, the Steelers game is, is the historic. The Steelers, well, Monday night game is the historic game or Sunday night game, whatever it was. But, uh, I mean, I, you know, there were reports on, on Twitter that uh, the team got booed when they came out of the tunnel. Washington at the beginning of the game. Well... I mean, how is that? How does that happen? And, I mean, did anyone ask about that in the post-game press conference? Somebody asked Ron Rivera a question about what's a disappointing not to perform in front of, you know, when you had such a, a big crowd. And I'm thinking, what are you, kidding? Most of the crowd was happy they didn't perform. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, 61,308 was the official paid, which means that it was not a sellout. 67,017 is a sellout. So the expected sellout actually didn't sell out um, in terms of paid attendance. And look, I wasn't there either. Um, I had several people reporting. And the range was anywhere from, I had one friend of mine say, I think it was 50-50. But he was also sitting, he said, in the one area of the stadium that had the most burgundy and gold in it. Uh, I heard that it was as high as 75-25, maybe even 80-20. Through the TV, the the two plays that if you want to know what it sounded like on TV if you were there... Go back, if you've got the television recording, and listen to the crowd when Landon Collins intercepts the ball versus when Randy Gregory knocked it up on the bubble screen and intercepted it. You would have absolutely thought that Washington was the road team and Dallas was the home team. But again, we knew this was going to happen. We've been talking about this. I was told back before the Kansas City game, that the two games that had been sold were Tampa and Dallas. And at the time, Dallas was doing well. Washington hadn't even gotten close to the four-game winning streak. So these tickets were snagged weeks and weeks ago by Dallas fans expecting their team to have a glorious season, and they were going to try to go to as many road games, and there are a lot of Dallas fans in this market to begin with. It's not the first time it's happened. It won't be the last, and this was expected. Um, And all season long, it's been, you know, 50-50 basically, even with teams you'd never expect to generate, you know, a road crowd. So it's just the way it is. I mean, I feel like we talk about this to the point where we have gotten so repetitive. Dan Snyder and Dan and Tanya now are responsible for, for the erosion of probably a majority of people that 15 years ago would have said they are Washington Redskins fans. More than half the fan base is gone. It's gone. So, you know, it's going to take massive winning, sustained winning, uh, some sort of star player, and some sort of, you know... Did the Snyders go away? We don't hear from them. We don't want to hear from them, and that's it. I mean, remember, we got the big name news coming in a couple of months. Oh, I do want to yeah, mention. I, I do want to mention to everybody that I do think, and I'm going to suggest to you not to be annoyed by it, but I would not be surprised if the team at some point, very soon, has an announcement. They make an actual announcement. About when they're going to announce the new name. And I don't, I hope it's not one of those making of the brand teaser annoying things. Uh, I don't think it should be. I've actually expressed that um, uh, when asked, but apparently, I think a lot of the marketing people say you've got to put a date out there at some point well in advance. So if they, they, they you might be getting the date. The formal date of when the team's new name will be unveiled. I had a friend of mine say something the other day that made a lot of sense to me. They uh, it, it makes sense, and it doesn't. He said they ought to do it with on draft night when they bring up whoever their first round pick is, and then they bring out the new helmet, or they bring out the New Jersey and they announce the name. It would be an incredible, you know, sizzle to the draft. but I, I think they've got to get the announcement out earlier. Because they want a lot of time between the end of the season and next year to sell product, clearly. They don't want to wait until April or May to do it. And then so another, uh, th- that same friend of mine said, they ought to unveil it with John Allen at the Pro Bowl. Like, let him wear the new helmet or whatever, the new logo, and let that be the announcement. Whatever. They're going to have an announcement at some point you know, early if they in 22. Might, if they do that,
2: If they do that, they might as well just announce it in the witness protection program.
1: Well, the, I mean,
2: it's lost its juice, as it is.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I kind the, of... The, I, I, w- certainly with older people, and I would put ourselves into yeah. that category, I don't really care that much about it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's My boys lost its do, though. juice. But, but, uh, and you know the draft idea, if they could wait that long, that would give it a
1: big pop. Well, his point was... Nationally. T- yeah, exactly. His point was... They've got such a bad relationship with the league right now. And they, you know, not that the league needs any help in promoting the draft. I mean, it does a phenomenal, you know, audience. But it would just add another big pop to draft weekend. But
2: that's, I, yeah, I mean, the league would be against it because they want to draft I, and not one uh, team. Well, maybe,
1: to maybe. Be focus. You, you might mean, be right.
2: The league would not be happy. The
1: Pro, Bowl, the Pro Bowl gets a decent number, believe it or not, but that could be added juice to the Pro Bowl because John Allen's going to be a Pro Bowler. He might be the only Most one. Most
2: people don't even know. I know that. I know it's a decent number. It's a decent number because, in part, we think nobody watches the game.
1: <laughs> it's the expectation going in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but the point I mean, is... I mean, the point we don't is... know
2: anybody who watches the game, but somebody's watching the game. Because it gets like, what, a six, something like that? The point 6. is, is, is that, might give, like that? that
1: would give you a reason to watch the game. And it would be a national thing, too. Yeah, but, oh, what's Washington's new name? What's the new logo? What's the team?
2: You know what? It's, it's, it's not <laughs> our job to figure out how to clean up their mess.
1: Well, the point Even though is, we talk about their mess every week. Circling back to where this conversation started, it's that mess that they've created, which is why you end up with what you had on yes. Sunday.
2: Yes, and i I don't think it's I don't think it's wrong to constantly discuss it because I think I I I think if 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 you ignore it, then people, I mean people, you know the, the few people that are left fall into a lull that hey everything's okay you know it's no big deal I think people need to be reminded as to how bad things are, even though things are horribly bad. And I can't imagine that anyone doesn't know that at this point. I think some people need to be reminded.
1: And there really isn't a better person to continue to remind people how bad things are <laughs> than Tom Lavero. Follow him on Twitter, at Tom Levero. No, I guess my point was, it's not embarrassing anymore to me. Like, I, I, I heard a lot of people say, God, it was, it was so embarrassing. Uh, really? What were you expecting? Like, I'm, I'm expecting that now every Sunday at home. I, uh, you know, it's funny because I haven't told you this, or maybe we talked about this on Thursday, I forget. I really did get into this a little bit leading into it. I was happy to see the attempt to revive this one-time great rivalry. Something that really was—it has been a part of my fan DNA. The Dallas-Washington rivalry. The Skins-Cowboys will forever have a special place for a lot of us. And so the fact that it's been so long, or it's felt like it's been a long time, since it meant something and that there was a big game, it was kind of cool to see, not locally, nationally, it was a big story all week Sunday I never watch those pregame shows i'm sitting there watching everybody's talking about the rivalry there were a lot of of, of quotes from cowboys and uh players you know during the week and coaches yeah with this is a division game this is a big rivalry game we know what it's going to be like going in there i i mean it certainly wasn't a road rivalry game um and then you had some of the uh you know some of the gamesmanship the mccarthy thing and then the bringing in of their own benches etc i liked that i liked all of it until the game started and then it was a disaster but um I would love for that to come back, but, you know, for that to come back, everything's got to come back. And, you know, we can sit here and it just isn't, it's not embarrassing anymore. I I was expecting that. You know, Scott, who just moved here a year ago, just over a year ago, and, you know, he's been kind of living vicariously over these many years living up in Connecticut working at ESPN through his friends, friends like me and my boys in particular with, you know, sort of the local teams and the local, you know, feelings on the teams. And, you know, like he got back and he was like, God, you know, I'm going to really get into the nationals. I'm really going to get into the skins. I'm really going to get in. Cause you know, when you live away that long, you're a fan, but if your team ends up sucking like, like the skins have, you become a little bit more distant. And he could not believe at the beginning of this year he's like oh my god nobody's there i'm like i've been trying to tell you for many years now it's the the television ratings for this will be horrendous the, he has chased away more than half of us it's not an exaggeration he's like yeah but i i, I it's the opener they're playing i'm like it doesn't matter they, they're not going. They There are so many people that just don't care. And I think that Sunday, briefly, for a lot of those that have completely checked out, there was like this moment where it's like, yeah, this would be kind of cool if this thing mattered again. You know, this game in particular. And yeah. um, but, you know, the, but those tickets were bought up. Long before, and I don't want to hear about the cost of the tickets and the team price people out. They, they didn't price these tickets any higher than any other joint did for a big game. You know, should they have taken this opportunity for the? It looks like they didn't sell six thousand tickets to take those six thousand tickets and really discount them at the last you know minute. Okay, maybe they missed out on a chance to do that, but um, you know, I was seeing tickets for two hundred bucks. Not you know not only in the upper level, but you know, some in in various other parts of the stadium. So that's what it costs now to go to a, a game, especially a game that matters. If you really wanted to go to a game for dirt cheap, the last couple of years at the end of the year, you could have gotten in for like four dollars on StubHub. Yep. But my my point, Tommy, big picture is I'm not embarrassed by this anymore. There was a time where I'm like, oh my god, the re- the you know like they're showing the highlights and nobody's there or everybody's in green. You know, like remember the game against the Eagles a couple of years ago? Were literally the entire thirty-five thousand yeah. that were there. It was all green. That was the night, by the way, that that Bruce and Dan went their separate ways. Remember, one went out one way, and one went out the other uh, underneath the stadium. But um, I'm just not—I'm not embarrassed by it anymore. I mean, I expected that on Sunday. Now, I'll tell you what'll be embarrassing: if they've got a game on January second at home. It's not going to be embarrassing. I just said nothing's going to embarrass me anymore. But on January second at home, a Sunday after a holiday, okay, holiday weekend, and they've got a game against the Eagles with the winner basically clinching or coming near clinching a wild card berth, and you end up with all Philadelphia fans in the stadium for that one, or majority Philadelphia fans for that one, because. This one. Why would
2: that surprise
1: you? Well, especially if the Eagles went on Sunday in Philly. It, it, it's not going to surprise me. It's not going to surprise me. It's not going to embarrass me. I'll stick with my original thing. The only thing is, is that yeah. I do know about this game that they haven't sold many tickets. Period for this game. So if there really was demand, Washington demand for the game on Sunday, but they couldn't get the tickets because the Cowboy fans had all the tickets because they had purchased them much earlier, there is an opportunity to go to the Philadelphia game. And I will tell you, you know, there's a better chance than not that that game's going to mean something. It may mean that they have to win to to have a chance to stay in it in the final week of the season, but there's a chance that that, a better chance than not that that game will have some meaning to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you said something earlier. I think I mentioned this, but you said, you know, the Cowboy game on the road, most people think that they won't win that one. I, I don't know that there's any game that – I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the way. I, They might lose out. They might win out. I mean, these teams aren't – the Cowboys aren't overly impressive offensively. The Eagles have issues if they're forced to throw the football. Washington's got issues. Um so my point being but in the column the field
2: that if if they if they if they right now in front of them, there there it's not David versus Goliath anymore. <laughs> right, they're on a level playing field for the most part.
1: The David versus Goliath game was the Tampa game. That's when he used it, right? The,
2: yeah. Okay. Yes, it was. Yeah, and it was, and that was true. It was David versus Goliath.
1: Um.
2: I, I, I joked in my column on Sunday, they didn't get David. They got Pincus, uh, David's brother that they don't talk about.
1: <laughs> That's who, who David's brother who, who, is?
2: Yeah, who couldn't, who couldn't hit the side of a barn with a stone if he was standing 10 feet away from
1: it. <laughs> so, um, last night, uh, the Rams won over the Cardinals. And Aaron Donald, like, we've the last – well, I – There have been two games this past weekend which were just basically taken over by defensive players. You know, the Dallas defensive takeover of the game on Sunday and Aaron Donald last night. Good God, is he – he's just spectacular to watch. He's like – he's truly one of the only players in recent memory that you cannot block with one person and you can barely even block with two. He had three sacks in the game. He had a deflection that turned into an interception. He just was dominant. I love watching Aaron Donald play. And, you know, they're they're talking about um, Micah Parsons. He's a lock to win the defensive rookie of the year. And they, you know, there's this discussion about him potentially being the defensive player of the year, um, which is what LT was as a rookie. So it would be the first time. But, man, when you watch Aaron Donald play, dominant. Um, but the, the game – was I think for a lot of people a chance to watch Arizona kind of start to finish in a big spot against the Rams, you know, in a game where they would, you know, really solidify their hold on the number one seed and the only buy in the NFC playoffs. Arizona lost the game, but in some ways I came away a little bit more respectful of them as a contender. Uh James Connors such a good back. I'm glad he is. Remember he had cancer coming out of pit and going to the Steelers. Um, what a what a weapon they have found in Connor as a pass catcher out of the backfield. They've got a lot of weapons. I still think Kyler Murray looks so tiny when he's pressured. But um, I do think Arizona's good enough uh, if they get the one seed to win two ha- home games. And I didn't know that I felt that way before last night. And it's ironic that I would say that after they lost. I don't really feel great about the Rams, even though they won the game. There's still something that's a little bit off with them, I think. Stafford had maybe – they're saying it was Stafford's best game of the year in the biggest spot. It's the first winning team they've beaten since week three. Uh, But I'm – I'm still more of a believer out of that division in Arizona. Well, I'm now more of a believer in Arizona, which you know is contrary to what you would think I would think after the game last night. With that said, Green Bay and Tampa now, to me, are cl- clear-cut um, favorites in the NFC. One of them will probably end up getting the one seed, and one of those two teams is going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. I, when, yeah. in, when in doubt, the quarterbacks. Brady. And Rodgers.
2: We've got a real possibility that Brady versus Belichick in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, because the AFC is more wide open, even though a lot of people think Kansas City's rolling. But it's weird because Kansas City has rolled recently, but offensively they've only looked good against the Raiders. They haven't looked like the Chiefs against their other teams, the other teams they've beaten, even though they've won those games. God, this Thursday night game – in L.A. against the Chargers is a huge game uh, in the NFL uh, season and will really go a long way perhaps towards determining who out of the AFC goes to the Super Bowl. Um, I did want to mention – th- yeah, One thing
2: about the Rams, uh, and I, re- I just read this, Cooper Cup has 113 catches for like 1,500 yards. Yeah, They have four games left.
1: I know. He's going he to could have his...
2: 2,000 yards receiving.
1: Yeah, he's going to break records. He's going to break uh, uh, Calvin wow. Johnson's records. Um, I was th- my producer, Brendan, looked this up the other day, so I don't have it in front of me. But um, Cooper Cup, the, the rec- Johnson's yardage record uh, through the 12 games that Cup had played going into last night he had had fourteen hundred and twenty something yards, and Cup had thirteen hundred and something yards. So, but it was very close. Uh-huh. There was like a fifty-yard difference, roughly. So, Cup, you yeah. know, on in a sixteen-game schedule, was on pace to kind of match him, maybe fall a little bit short yardage. But with the seventeenth game, he's yeah. he's going to set the NFL yardage mark, more likely than not. Yeah um he's really good really good uh washington i'm 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 the playoff scenario guys, so I promise to keep you updated. I think it's really simple because of their conference record. Washington right now has a five and three n f c record that becomes very critical in multi team tiebreakers or in tiebreakers where there isn't a head to head so if Washington gets to nine wins, they're going to have a major advantage over everybody except New Orleans in a two-team head-to-head. So against New Orleans in a two-team head-to-head, they lost to the Saints. So if the Saints got to nine and eight, which I think is going to be really hard. I don't think the Saints are very good, and they play the, they, they play the Buccaneers this week. They play the Dolphins, who are surging. So I don't know and feel comfortable that the Saints are going to get to nine and eight. But I would bet you any amount of money that 9-8 and eight is a lock for Washington to make the postseason. They win every tiebreaker except the head-to-head with New Orleans. They win all of the multi-team. Tiebreakers. The only tiebreaker that they could fail on, other than the head-to-head, is if it comes down to Philadelphia and Washington tied, and Philly's got a better division record. And right now, that isn't the case. Philly's already Philly's zero and two in the division. Washington's one and one. Remember, they beat the Giants before losing to the Cowboys. But the um, if Washington gets to nine wins, meaning winning three of their final four, they're in. They're going to be in the postseason. If they win two of their final four and they finish eight and nine, there's a chance. It's not like a massively remote chance either. I'd put it at like 25%, like a one in four chance they could make it. You know, because if there are a bunch of eight and nine teams tied, they're going to still have the tiebreaker advantages over almost all of those eight and nine teams. The issue is, does somebody out of the six and sevens right now win three out of their final four, get to nine, and then Washington's not in a tiebreaker? But those teams have rough schedules, too. You know, Philly's got to play Washington twice. they got to play Dallas. they got to play the Giants. Minnesota, who is a six and seven team, has the Bears twice, but the Bears have been tough on them. They have to play the Rams and the Packers. So Minnesota's got a really tough road. New Orleans, I already told you, I don't think they're going to go 9-8, and eight, more likely than not. Um, who's the other team? Uh, Atlanta. Atlanta's an interesting team. I actually think Atlanta's pretty good. Atlanta plays the 49ers this week, but then they've got the Lions, Bills, and Saints. Now the Bills will be playing for their playoff lives. Um, but can Atlanta win two of their final uh, four? I think definitely. The issue is can they win three? I, I actually like their team. Um, I think they're uh, I, I think they're capable. But Washington wins three, you can book it. They're in the postseason as the seven seed in the NFC, and then they would You're play. Probably right, and then they'll play the two seed, um, which you know will more likely than not be, I think, Green Bay or Tampa, whomever doesn't get the one seed. That would be my guess on that. And then if they only win two of their Final Four, they're not out. Um, They'd have a chance, but nine's a lock. Uh, All right, we've got uh, Tommy's in the market for something new, and I wanted to also talk about Bradley Beal and the Wizards. We'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. The Wizards got beat last night badly in Denver. The final score not reflective of how badly they got beat. Tom, they've been beaten um, pretty badly now in like five out of their last six games. Uh, And last night, you know, I know you don't watch a lot of NBA, especially in the regular season. But to watch Denver and to watch Jokic play and to watch him as a passer, as a big man, you and I both agree, right, that Walton's the best passing big man we've ever watched? Yes. Jokic is, da- Jokic is damn close. He's really he's, he's, spectacular. He's really good. As a passer. Yes, he is. They have another player. This dude was on their team last year, this guy Compazzo. Um He... Uh, Not the Composo from Saving Private Ryan, um, but the Composo that plays for the Nuggets. He's Argentinian. He had some passes last night in the game that were ridiculous. Um, They're fun to watch. They're well coached. um, But the Wizards are bad right now. They're getting blown out almost every night on the regular. The one game they did win was against the worst team in the NBA, and they barely beat them. And I don't know what the issue with Beal is. But I'm just going to tell you this here on December 14th. I think that he is playing his last month and a half or two months in Washington. I think he's Boy, going surprising. to get. I that's, think he's going to get traded before the trade deadline.
2: That's really surprising. I, you may be right. He's playing terrible. It's,
1: uh, not, like it's not. It's not because he's playing. Te- it's not because he's not playing well. I don't think he. I think he's ready to do something else. I could be wrong. And on one level, I hope I am wrong. On another level, I think it would be really intriguing to see what Tommy Shepard could do because he's really done a pretty damn good job the last couple of years. Um,
2: yes, he has. Tommy does not want to trade Bradley Beal, though. Right. I know. Yes, He doesn't want to do that. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm wondering uh, how much the voice at home is in Bradley Beal's ear, particularly after Westbrook told him Uh, you need to get out of town uh, is influencing uh, Mr. Beal, who I don't think uh, is a a particularly type A personality from afar.
1: It's so funny because when you said that last week, I know that you're right, Uh, or I have this sense from afar that you're right about it. And um, I'm not sure how many people know that because, you know, watching Beal um, first of all, he is pretty demonstrative on the court. He complains all the time about calls. God, I wish that somebody would get with him and just say, Bradley, stop bitching after every shot you miss and you don't get a call. But, you know, he's averaging right now a career low on, on three-point shooting, um, a career low or close to a career low on just field goal percentage or certainly in the last five six years he's got a a career high in turnovers uh, per game. He's not getting up nearly the same number of shots on average as he has the last couple of years when he averaged over 30 a game. It's a different team. I understand that. You know, I had Chris Miller on the radio show last week and he talked about how, you know, Bradley's been a little bit frustrated and, you know, does he defer? Does he take over a game? You know, there are new players. Like, I don't think it's going as smoothly as we would have hoped when they got off to the 10 and 3 start. And I will just tell you what I told you early in the year when everybody was raving about their defense, that I was impressed with how they were trying on defense, but I wasn't yet convinced that they were, like, a great defensive team or were going to be. And they're not. You know, they're, they're, they're better than they've been, and they've got a head coach where it matters. But, man, they they don't move well sometimes. Sometimes they don't close out well, Um Denver's Denver's good. I mean, Denver's a decent team, and uh, it, this is rough right now for the Wizards because they're in the midst now of this road trip, and I think they're going to come back as a sub 500 team. You know, they got Sacramento, Phoenix, Utah, Brooklyn, and New York. You know, after last night, and they are two games over 500. So there's a chance they're going to come back as a sub 500 team. And it, it it's it's unfortunate because I love the start to the season. I love the enthusiasm. God, that arena was that that was a home for advantage. Um you know, for them. Uh but I think big changes are coming towards the trade deadline with Beale. That's my guess. And it'll put a lot of a lot of interest into how Tommy Shepard handles handles it. All right. What else? You had something else. You're in the market for something. What are you in the market for?
2: Well, we're looking to buy a car. Uh Actually, we've been a one car family probably since right, right when COVID started. Really? Uh, yeah. And it's worked out fine because, you know, I really haven't needed a car for much of anything. Uh, you know, I mean, most of my, my work uh, happens right here at home. You know, so I really didn't, and we figured out a schedule. It worked out okay. But now, you know, that, at least the perception, and I could be wrong, that we'll, we'll be both more involved in doing stuff that, you know, uh, we need a second car. So we're looking for an SUV hybrid. And we have a hybrid in the uh, with the Prius, and we love it. It's been great for us, and the, the, uh, the gas uh, consumption has been terrific. Right. So we're looking for an SUV hybrid. There's not that much out there uh, in that category. And plus it's not a great time because new cars are hard to come by, which is driving up the price of used cars.
1: Right. Supply chain.
2: Yeah. But we're still going to probably go ahead and do it. But I got into a little bit of argument with my wife, uh, as to, uh, I mean, she meticulously researches every car Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know consumer reports is her bible right and i maintained that most people don't look at consumer reports when they want to buy a car they just go to see buy a car when they see one they like they buy it what do you think
1: well i do know a lot of people that think consumer reports is the bible when it comes to to cars and but i'm i'm what you described but then again, I've had the same kind of car now seven times, basically. I'm on my seventh yeah. of the same vehicle over, you know, whatever it's been, 25 years or whatever. Um, but uh, look, I, I think that people like your wife, um, that, uh, I, I wish I had more of that in me to do a lot of the research. I, but I, but I'm, I'm much more of an impulsive purchaser. And and especially unless it's something really, really big. I mean, car car is a big thing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not going to impulsively buy a house, although I know a lot of people that do that, too. Um, But uh, I'm not I'm not a car guy to begin with. You know that about me. So I'm not going to sit there and research. I just want a car that runs that I like that I feel good in um especially as it relates to my back because there were there were several years there where I was in a vehicle that was not healthy for my lower back and I've been in a vehicle now a, a, in in an actual SUV that has really worked and I'm probably never going to own anything else but what I have which is an X5 BMW okay. yeah okay uh
2: well my, I mean what I did was and this is something that obviously you're very familiar with is i just blankly shut off my mouth and said nobody does that you know i said to her, nobody <laughs> looks at, at yeah. consumer reports right and she has cause, cause, since started to uh embark on her own personal poll uh and sending me emails well i sent you all the emails after
1: the show the other day with all those polls did you get them you never responded
2: no, 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 no. This is that's nothing to do with that.
1: I know that. But she, it's the same thing, because you just automatically think you're right, and nobody can prove you wrong. But the conversation we had right. the other day, which I'm now even forgetting, I ended I ended up sending you a bunch of polls. You never responded. So anyway, so she sent you a bunch of polls about what? People who use consumer Oh reports? no, she's taking her... She's taking oh, her own. Oh, she's taking her her own poll. And so how yeah. is so what's how's it gone so far? Oh,
2: I'm getting my I'm getting my head handed to
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tell her that you okay. pulled po- you pulled the podcast, and it was overwhelmingly they don't use Consumer Reports. Okay. Well, want- and let me point out. Why don't you that, do a, that, poll, a that, Twitter poll? Be fair. Uh, you know what? That's a good idea. I mean, I should. You're
2: but wh- because I'm afraid of finding out the results. To be honest
1: yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know,
2: I'm afraid of finding out those results now. Now, to be fair, most of the responses are she gotten from her family, and she comes from a family that would exactly do Consumer Report research before buying a car. Right. You know, uh, so it, it's kind of it's kind of skewed, and the way she the way she asked it. I mean, in her questions, she said Tom says no one would ever look. Well, at that's it. the way you, you know, say Tom it. I'm She's already, right.
1: She's right. That's the way you always do it. No one does <laughs> okay. it that way. Okay. Right. Um, you could, though. No, no, no. What, what? Go ahead. Well, I mean, because, I mean, the Twitter polls that w- we're able to do generate more than, you know, probably a lot of these polls have as a normal, you know, uh, uh, yes, s- no, sample. Yes, I know. So you could do know, a poll. You're right. You'll get a thousand plus responses in your in your Twitter poll, and then you'll be able to share it with your wife. What? How would you? Yeah, you, but you, I'll be proved, I'll be proven. I'll be proven wrong. Yeah, I know that yeah, now. Yeah, you should drop the subject <laughs> altogether. Actually, I don't. I would bet you that if you ask the question, how many people use Consumer Reports, how many people uh, reference Consumer Reports before they buy a vehicle or use, you know, Consumer Reports? I think it's probably fifty fifty.
2: It might be. It might be. Here's a better Twitter poll. What? Uh, before we wrap up. What do you prefer, a salt shaker or a salt grinder?
1: A salt shaker. Well, I love pepper grinders.
2: This has become a, a pet peeve of mine. And when we go in a restaurant... Well, I don't
1: care. And really.
2: I, want, I want to use salt. Well, because how can you, you can't tell half the time if the salt is coming out of the grinder.
1: When you grind it, when you turn it, you you don't you can't tell. I mean, yes. first of all, you to can't be, tell. Yeah, I don't and what, know. What was wrong? What was what, wrong with a salt shaker? Well, so, look, with salt, sometimes you can't tell. That's why you know people will take it. And, you know, well, they take it and throw it over their left shoulder, right for good luck or whatever? Um, I uh, I don't. Can I tell you something? You don't eat sweets, and I don't eat salt. I don't put salt on anything. Tommy doesn't eat anything with sugar in it, which is amazing. And I don't put salt on anything. I put pepper on everything. I don't use pepper. <laughs> I don't use pepper.
2: But I, 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 it's, a, it's a sad state of affairs when you can't find a salt shaker in a restaurant anymore. And you've got to use a grinder. And you've got to say to your wife, is the salt coming out of here?
1: <laughs> I can't
2: really tell.
1: I hope she lies to you and says, yeah, it is, uh, when it isn't. Um, she probably does. But I, I, my wife puts salt on everything. I don't put salt on anything. And what drives me nuts more than anything is salt on Salads. She, uh, and she does it. Oh, just, I don't do that. Just to get me. She puts salt into s- different salads. I can't stand that. I, there's one thing I put salt on, actually. One thing. Egg salad sandwiches. I'll put salt on egg salad. That's it. But I don't need it. But I think it's just something that I always grew up with. That When there was egg salad, I put salt on it. I, I don't like salt. Um, what, what, what else are we doing here?
2: That's
1: it. I got
2: nothing else for you, boss. Okay, uh, I've spilled my guts to you today.
1: You did. Uh, you, you'll. I mean, yes. I think the poll. I think you're probably right. Look, why take a chance when you right now are as right as you might ever be? <laughs>
2: yes, I, so,
1: absolutely. And and you, God, no one hates to admit they're wrong more than you do. But the, the, the Twitter poll would be the way. I used Twitter in, in a poll for something where my wife and I had an argument. I, I want to say it's, it was in the last six months, and I can't remember what it, what it was. So Did you win? I think I did. Oh, it was for Thanksgiving. I told you about this, didn't I? My wife has contended for years that most people eat Thanksgiving when we eat Thanksgiving, which is we eat late at like six thirty, seven o'clock. And we've always hosted and she'll say, you know, come over around five, dinner at seven, that kind of thing. And I've said, We eat way too late. Let's I wanna eat earlier. Let's get this thing done earlier. Look, most I, of-
2: I would I would say three to four o'clock is It's the typical
1: time. Most people uh, eat earlier. And she's like, no, they don't. And I said, yes, they do. And then this was like several years ago, and I pulled up some information. And then here it is. I just pulled up my Twitter poll from November 24th. What time do you eat your Thanksgiving meal? I I had four options, 12 to 2, 2 to 4, 4 to 6, and after 6. By the way, somebody did send me something. And if you're listening, I did catch it. And you are right, and I did think about it. But he said you're not a polar, are you? Because you don't go 12 to 2 and then 2 to 4 because you've got two times that are the same in both answers, which is 2 o'clock, you know, and i he's right. Like it should have been like 12 to 159, 2 to 359, something like that. But whatever. Um, 2 to 4 was the number one answer at 46.2%. 2 to 4 Thanksgiving dinner. Four, yeah that's when we eat. Uh, four to six p m thirty four and a half percent twelve to two early early in the afternoon, more of a supper, I guess you would call it fourteen point seven percent and my wife was dead wrong after six p m four point six percent Two thousand nearly two thousand votes, so I did show it to her, and she's like i don't you know i don't i'm still not buying it I'm like, Kara, two thousand votes, okay." <laughs> You're wrong. Most people eat Thanksgiving much earlier than we do. It doesn't mean we have to follow the crowd, but I, I think I would just prefer earlier because I don't want people to be at the house really late, and that's what always happens every year is people end up leaving. They're not leaving until 10 o'clock. And you want them out. I want them out. I'm flicking the lights, lights on and off trying to give some hints. <laughs> it's time to go. All right, I'm well, you done. Should've,
2: you should have put a bet on it.
1: <laughs> you should have uh, bet
2: on next year's Thanksgiving dinner. What time it starts?
1: Well, we did end up we did end up doing it earlier this year. We we sort of split oh, we split the difference, and we did. I think we did five o'clock. It was like five or five thirty that we ended up eating. So that was much better. And then we were done, and we caught the end of the Cowboys Raiders game. God, Thanksgiving seems like a long time ago now, doesn't it? Uh, yes, it's, it it, it's December 14th already. You know, the football season, at the beginning of it, we always kind of say, this is really the sprint of all professional sports seasons, you know. And it really does fly by. As great as it is, it flies by. Now, the, the cool yeah. thing about this year with the 17-game schedule is we still have basically a month. We've got four more weekends of regular season football before we even get to the postseason. Um, but it really does seem to fly by. Like Labor Day to New Year's Day seems to fly by. Uh, it's the best time of the year, I think. Okay, uh, anything else? You'll have your Eagles-Washington pick on, um, on Thursday. And maybe you can update That's us on the car search right, and the Consumer Reports, um, you know, internal polling data.
2: No, I'm going to try to forget about the polling.
1: <laughs> We're done for the day. Back tomorrow.